All right. Have you ever had to make a decision in life? I think there are some people that go through life without making decisions, but majority of us, we come to points in our life where there's really important decisions to make or it just seems that there's something that we know needs changing and we get to this, this, uh, this spot where we're, we're forced to sort of go, what would my life look like if... All right, so think for myself, I go back to when I was a young fella off at uni doing forestry degree and then I ended up uh, doing some summer work in Maryborough in Queensland and out at the uh, camp by myself, gas stove, gas lights, gas everything, no electricity, had my Walkman there with my tapes of David Meese and Petra and Christian music at the time and used to listen to them go for run and stuff. And I felt like God was really speaking to me there. So I'd finished two years of a for- Bachelor of Science Forestry, and yet I felt like God was wanting me to come back to Darwin. Um, and so there I stood at the, the point of which way do I go? You know, do I continue on? Because we had this amazing trip planned as forestry uh, did down there. They went through the fire trails of New South Wales, Victoria, did a big tour, and... Um, that was the start of the next year, which would have been so much fun, right? So much fun to do. So I was put into a position where it was like, there, there's this important decision before me in my life that I could make a decision to stay or go, um, which was the right decision. I'm not. Well, I feel the right, the right decision was obviously to come back to Darwin and, and whatever happened after that happened. But I was coming back to pretty much nothing here, right? Like I had family and stuff, which was really, really wonderful. I loved Darwin, I loved the lifestyle here, but I had no job, I had no you know, career focus or anything like that. Came back and, and just started a living life here and the journey has gone on from there. The story today that we're gonna read in the Bible is about that certain point. And it may be that you're in a place of life right now and, and as was beautifully put to us by Ben that Jesus is the answer to that problem. Maybe you're here this morning and you've come to church, you're not not a Christian, but there's something desperate in your heart where you're like, I need to make a decision about life. This is a, a decision where I feel troubled, I feel anxious, I feel afraid, I'm not sure where my life's going. And Sometimes we seem to walk up to those places in life, right, with important decisions. We go, this is what I need to do. I know I need to change, I've come to the point, but change right now is very scary or, or that decision that I, I make right now is actually quite significant and, and we'll get to that point of making change and this, this is either, like as we talk about it this morning, it's in the sense of salvation, but also even after you're saved where God is speaking to you about certain things in your life and, and you're like, I know I need to change this, I know I need to change this, you get to that point And it's like, can I actually trust you, God? Can I take the next step and actually live the way I know that I'm meant to live? But if you're not even a person who's a Christian today, maybe you come this morning with these questions about, I don't know what to do about life. It just seems like a mess or it seems like there's something missing in my life. There's some emptiness in my life and I know I need to make a decision, but it's actually really scary because when you make a decision to follow after Jesus... You're like, well, why won't everything change? Yes, it will. That's the whole point. 
That's why we seek after him. There's something inside of us troubling us that, that makes us go, you know, I need more than what I've got. I need... This world around me is not satisfying me. The way I'm walking at the moment is not giving me a sense of peace. It's not giving me a sense of well-being, so to speak, in today's terms, where, where we talk so much about those things. And here's the thing. Why don't you do it? Why don't you make a decision? Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we, like I said just before, it's like the whole future seems so uncertain. We're walking with God, perhaps, we're a Christian, and, and we're like, oh, I'm being so challenged in an area, but if I have to do that, then I have to trust God. I have to step out beyond where's comfortable and what I know. If, if perhaps this morning you've come and you're going, I just need something, what, I need some hope in this world, is Jesus the answer? He is the answer. There's no doubt about that at all. But it's still this, this strange moment in time because as Ben's talking about Jesus and what he did and who he is, you hear this thing like, well, you know, Jesus was born of Mary, but the Holy Spirit made Mary pregnant. Jesus is God, but Jesus is a man. He went to the cross. He took my sin. How can that even be possible? How can it be possible that that is all true? That's a pretty fair question, I would think, right? That's a fair question to ask. Because it doesn't sound true, does it? Hey guys, you know what I'm, what you, you've got sin in your life, you're, you're hopeless, you need guidance, you need the Holy Spirit. These people are talking about it. And Jesus came down from heaven. He was born as a man. He lived his life here on earth and died on the cross. And when he died, the sin that you had was taken on Jesus and you've been restored in relationship with God. Does anyone else here go, well, that's a foolish message, right? That, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, what are you talking about, Neil? <laughs> you're a pastor. Of course it makes sense. It makes absolutely zero sense. In the natural way of thinking, it makes no sense at all that that could happen. Yet I know Millions and billions of people around the world know that it is the truth because the day they accepted Jesus Christ as their saviour, there was this internal change and it happened immediately. Which is what we're going to be looking at today, that, that, that immediate change where, where my life was going this way, but now it's that way. I, I felt so oppressed and weighed down, but now I know the truth. I, I had a sickness in my body and it was totally healed, like even as... as uh, my dad was talking this morning, even with his stuff. It's like the nurse is saying, if you go home tonight, that's a miracle. Now we would say, well, that's not really a miracle. The nurse said it was. She's not a Christian. God did something. And all of us here know today that, that have made that decision to follow Jesus, that, that it is real. That it is absolutely real because we have felt God come into our life. We have have surrendered ourselves to him and we have found through him peace and joy and hope when we've been obedient and follow after him and listen to him. The biggest thing that we found was that when we uttered the words, as Ben said this morning, very simple, me simple message, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Even that's bizarre, right? But wait a minute, there's surely more to that. So once I've admitted Jesus is Lord, 
And then I get everything right in my life and make sure that my life is perfect, that I never do anything wrong ever again, then I'll be saved. It doesn't say that. Because the truth is that none of us can save ourselves. We are powerless and empty and devoid of anything that could bring salvation to our soul, which is why we needed Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at a man who is struggling with some of these things. A guy named Nicodemus, and we're going to read the passage shortly in, um, in John, John chapter 3, and Ben read out, or mentioned verse 16 in John chapter 3. Well, we're looking at verses 1 to 15 in that book, which is a book in the New Testament of the Bible. So if you're not familiar with um, Christianity, you've never been a Christian, the Bible is made up of what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament speaks of from when Jesus was born and goes on from there. And that's where this book of John is. He was, it's called a gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. This is, this is written down so that we could believe in Jesus Christ, that we could know what he did, where he went, who he spoke to, the amazing, powerful things that he did. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, again, Ben mentioned Pharisees. Who are these Pharisees? Well, these guys were basically believers in, um, in the Jewish we got it up already now, Jewish um, faith. But their big deal was this, that we have to get everything right. Okay, so they weren't, we don't believe in God or anything like that, but they had the law. So let's just take one law, for example, the Sabbath law. And it was like, you're not to work on the Sabbath. So they decided, well, that's not clear enough for us. We need to make some extra rules around that and we'll interpret it. What does it actually mean not to work on the Sabbath? How much can I pick up? And, you know, if it's life-threatening, can I still work? Or if it's, you know, what is it that I can do? Can I tie a knot? Is that considered work? And then they made another set of rules to interpret the rules that they made. <laughs> so they, they wanted to get it really right. And their deal was this, that if we get to obey the law in all its fullness, then the Messiah will come. How many of you are like that? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I need to be so perfect and then I can have Jesus as my salvation. That's exactly what they were thinking. If I live perfectly, then I can have Jesus. The Messiah will come. They didn't know it was the one standing before them. How would that work, say, in a church? It would be like us going, okay, guys, for praise and worship, the, the, the rules of this house are that to really worship God properly, your hands must be raised. So we could read it in our little Bible. It's not in there, guys, so don't go look for it. But in the Bible it says, your hands must be raised in worship. It does actually tell us to do that, by the way, in certain places, lift your hands and stuff like that. But that would be us get together, you know, we had a group of us and we're like, you know, it's great, you know, we should lift our hands and praise the Lord and, and we get together, okay, okay, guys, when does lifting hands start? All right, is it here? I don't know, is that lifting your hands because they were down there and they're there? Or is it shoulder height? Or maybe it's right up. What, 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 what's the point of lifting hands? And, and we're like, okay, so to actually praise and worship God perfectly, we will lift our hands to just above shoulder height. Then God will accept that as being lifting of hands. So we're like, that's great. And then we're like, oh, wait a minute. We need some more rules around that. Are the fingers spread apart or are they together? Let's get together and work out which, which way it should be. What's acceptable to God? And this is how foolish we become, though, isn't it? 
that we sometimes get to that point. So we're going to look at this guy, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus. We're going to read the passage and then I just want to talk about it. And I want to give you a chance to respond today. Whether you are a Christian and you've been here, that you'd respond and go, you know what, there's things in my life where I know God is talking to me. I need to go beyond that point of fear where I keep revisiting something and pull back. Because there's people in here, you're like, you know, I know God's saying I should do this. I should be more patient. I need to get more sleep. I need to do whatever it is. And we get to a point where we're like, yeah, but that means surrender to Christ. That's us who are Christians already. But for those who are not Christians today, have you come to that point time and time again when you say, this life is not right? There is something wrong and I know I need God, I need Jesus in my life and I get to that point of where I'm just about to grab hold of him and then the world grabs me back. I'm like, yeah, but, 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 but I don't understand and hopefully I'll be able to encourage you to push through not understanding and listening to the words of Jesus, what he said. So John 3 verses 1 to 14. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible Said Nicodemus, asked Nicodemus. Jesus replied, You're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of, God, Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So let's break this down a little bit from the back. When, when Jesus is saying about being lifted up, he's referring to the cross. He's saying unless you believe, you're not going to have eternal life. But Nicodemus, through that whole story, was a bit confused because he's like, what do you mean you have to be born again? Which is one of those terms that we throw around as Christians. Yeah, I'm born again. What what does it really mean? Didn't understand it. But it also seems that Nicodemus must have been troubled about something. So we look at the, first of all, he came to him at night time. And there's many views on that. Well, there's not that many. There's a couple. <laughs> One might be that it was like he didn't want to be seen. So he was a Pharisee. He didn't want to come and, you know, people see him come to Jesus. But let me ask you this question. If you were going to ring someone late at night time or go around to their house and disturb them at their home, how important is the question that you're going to ask them? 
And, and if it's me and the phone rings late at night, it's like, what's wrong? Something important's happened. No one rings at this hour unless something really important's happened. Who imagined that this guy's coming to Jesus' house? I don't know how late it was, but maybe, you know, they're you know, doing the dishes. Someone knocks at the door. Maybe they're in bed and they're woken up and Mary comes out in a nightgown with an oil lamp and what the heck is going on here? Who's this? I've come to see Jesus. It's an important question that he had. He's obviously a little bit troubled. He's like, there's something in my life that's not right. I, yeah, yeah, I'm obeying everything. I'm doing the right things. The law is great. I'm, I'm following that really, really well. But, but there's something wrong. It was important enough for him to get to the house or where Jesus was at night time. I'm presuming that it's a house. And as he got there, he was asking Jesus about the kingdom of God. He's seeing what evidence Jesus has been showing on the earth and, and he's wanting to somehow see God. He thinks that at the time he's going to get to see God by being fully obedient to the law and then adding on extra things. But Jesus answered with a, with a strange question because what Nicodemus said was this, that we have seen what you do. We all know that you have been sent to teach us. We all know that God sent you to teach us. So there's a recognition that Jesus is there to teach them, but it's not lining up with what he thinks. Not lining up with what he thinks. And your miraculous signs are evidence God is with you. But Jesus turned it around and he said, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the spirit. What that means is that born through your mother's womb, the water... And the Spirit. And this is the point that Nicodemus did not understand. And when Jesus finished that little bit, he says, don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. He took this whole thing of generalization, you know, well, we've sinned, we've didn't, and he said, no, let me, let me get this back to you. You're talking about the kingdom of God. You're talking about how do I get to know who God is? How do I become saved? And he says, let me tell you. Let me tell you what you need to do. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Quite confusing, right? Because, because in all that he's thinking, he's like, I have to do stuff to get saved. Is that how you're thinking this morning? That, that, that you've never become a Christian because you feel like you're not good enough, you, you haven't attained to the, the excellence that you need to be to be a Christian? And he said, I want you to understand something. That this salvation that we are talking about, seeing God is not about you doing anything. It's about you being born again. It's like the old you, the new you. The Bible talks about it all the time. When you become a Christian, you don't just take on a faith and a way of living. There's a transformation on the inside. Born of the Spirit. It is a God work done inside you, which is why we can't understand it until we do it, until we take that step of faith. When we come to that edge and we finally say, you know what, this isn't working for me, I need Jesus. I don't fully understand it. Nicodemus didn't fully understand it. Jesus had to say to him, you don't really get it. You're smart. You're a leader in this place. In fact, he might have been one of the few, as you go through the scriptures, that was in the top council of leaders amongst the Jews that day. Smart man. 
but totally missed the point. We can only see God one way, by believing in Jesus Christ, by being born again by the Spirit of God, where, where his power comes into our life and turns our life around and we become saved. We come to the point where we say we cannot, like I said, live this way any longer. I need something different, something to shift, something to move inside of me. And we can try all sorts of ways to do that. But there's only one way, by believing in Jesus Christ. And Jesus emphasised that again when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the wind, where he says the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. Unexplainable. Not understandable. Because it's a work of God in you. You must be born again. I think it was John Calvin used to go around and one of the things that he said everywhere he preached is that exact message, you must be born again. You must be born again. There's no option, guys. If you ever want to see God, if you ever want eternal life, you must be born again. You must make that step and say, you know what? I need the birth of the Holy Spirit in my life. There is no other option. He, he was asked about it by someone one day who, who came up to him and said, you know what, everywhere you go you preach that message that you must be born again. Why do you keep preaching that message? And he goes, because you must be born again. <laughs> like, it, it's sort of one of those things that you can't help but say because it's a must. We can think that we can get to heaven a different way by being good people, by being... Um, you know, well, I'm not that bad and there's worse people than me so I can get to heaven that way. We, we think we can get to heaven by giving lots, maybe. Maybe that'll, you know, like pay penance to God. Maybe I can just follow a religious structure. Maybe I can, you know, go to church and that'll get me to heaven. Maybe I can try another faith and everywhere I go will lead to heaven. No, the Bible says very clearly, you must be born again. It's a work of God through the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. Here this morning, there may be people who are like, wondering, how do I get to God? What is it that I must do this morning? I want to tell you, you must be born again. There is no other option if you want to see God, if you want to know God, you must be born again. You have to make a decision that you are relying on the power of Christ, something that you do not understand, you cannot understand, because it's like the wind. You see the effects of it everywhere, and you know maybe there's more understanding nowadays about high pressures and low pressures, but still you go out there and you're like, how come today's windy and yesterday wasn't? I can see the signs of the wind and where it is, but honestly, I don't know where it's going. Is it going to go that way and then turn left? Is it going to go up? What's going on with this wind? With us, it's exactly the same. 
And the thing is, you know you're born again because your life begins to change. The Bible talks about the old you and the new you, the old person, the new person. And it says very clearly that we are to put on the new person. What is this new person? My body hasn't changed. My mind hasn't really changed that much. I've, I, I've, my emotions are still there. But what gets born again, what becomes new is the spirit man inside of you. And that's why you change. Because the real you is a spirit. I don't know if you know this, but one day you will all die. Your body will be here, but your spirit will be gone. Join up again one day. But your spirit leaves because the real you is the spirit and that's the part of you that God's saying that must be born again because you are dead to God without the Holy Spirit. You are dead to God before you become saved. You are dead to God and you don't understand and maybe even today you're in church and you're like, I don't really get it. I see these other people that are Christians. I can see they're actually quite nice people overall. Yeah, there's some people that maybe I don't really like or whatever, don't do the right thing, but I can see that these people are different. They've got peace when they shouldn't have it. They've got joy when they shouldn't have it. They're prepared to change their behaviour because they're following after someone called God. You can see those signs. Well, that's the sign that God has done something in people's lives and he can do it in yours as well this morning. So what I'd like to do is if we could just get our worship team up. I'd love to give you the opportunity to respond to that this morning. You might have never given your life to God. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do exactly what we've been talking about. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved what are you saved from? You're saved from hell, eternal damnation. You're born into to eternal life, but there's far more than that. You're saved from the weight of sin on your life, that that is released, that, that Jesus took that sin. And if you want to, you can begin a remarkable journey of life where you know the presence of God with you and you can know that he is with you all the time. That he's there to help you in every circumstance. He's there to restore the broken things if you believe and trust and follow him. So I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. So if we, if we could just all stand, please, that would be great. And if you could just play some music in the background. So if we could just bow our heads, eyes closed. So I want to give the opportunity, if there's someone out there this morning that you're just feeling something in your heart right now, this, this weight almost on your heart of dread and excitement, that's God calling you. That's God calling you. He's letting you know that you must be born again. If, 
there's anyone out there this morning that is feeling that way, I'd just like you to just raise your hand if you would. just want to pray with you and just pray for God to come into your life this morning. If there's anyone out there today, anyone who would like to pray with me the prayer of salvation. Let's pray. If, if that's you this morning, you haven't raised your hand, I'll just give the opportunity to pray anyway. It's not about raising the hand. It's about believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I'm so sorry that I haven't walked with you and I don't fully understand, God, everything about you, but I know I need you this morning. Father, I ask you to forgive me I believe that you sent Jesus to save me. So this morning, I just want to say yes. I want to say yes to you. And I want a new life. I want to be born again. I want the old things to pass away. And I want all things to become new. Come into my life from this day on to live for you in Jesus' name.